Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. I am delighted to be joined by Jorge Marti. He's the Secretary of HESA Venezuela. Thank you for joining us, Jorge. It's a pleasure, as always, to be with you. In the world today, you know, one thing that we have lost sight of in the noise of war is the war against the workers. Now, France is putting the struggle in visibility again. Can we talk a little bit about the strikes, the marches, the people's up, upheaval in France against the um, yet another cut to the workers' rights. This movement has now been going on for several months. It started really on the 19th of January after the government of Macron, which is a very weak government that has barely a parliamentary majority, to, to attempt once again to cut the pension rights that the French workers have won o over many years. And in this, this case, they wanted to increase retirement age by two years uh, to 64. And in many, in many European countries, workers will be happy to retire at 64. Retirement age has now been uh, pushed back in most of the countries. But in, in France, this was uh, the last straw in a long line of attacks against pension rights, which goes back to 1995-96, when they wanted to destroy the pension systems for the railway workers. And there was a three-month-long uh, strike. And so the movement started on the 19th of January, and uh, it was uh, it followed the pattern of uh, calling the unions, calling for a big day of action, in which there will be strikes in a whole number of sectors, then uh, another day of action, perhaps two or three weeks later, then another day of action. And it reached a point where many workers couldn't see that this was a winning strategy, and these days of actions were becoming uh, weaker, with uh, less participation. But then about uh, four weeks ago, the government uh, couldn't get a parliamentary majority for the pensions reform, and they decided to use uh, decree powers under Article 49.3 of the Constitution, which allows the president, in certain occasions, to avoid parliamentary vote. Uh, and they used this, this uh, power to pass this uh, very unpopular law. When, when I say that this law is very unpopular, it has the, the opposition of 80% of the population and 92% of workers, i.e. people who are in, in employment currently. So it's an extremely unpopular law. And the fact that the government resorted to decree powers, emergency and democratic powers, to avoid a parliamentary vote that they thought was they, they were going to lose, weren't sure that they, were, they could get it passed. Then uh, this, this uh, led to an explosion of anger. For the first time, the youth started to participate in the movement with uh, faculty occupations, mass assemblies, and uh, street demonstrations. Where for a period of maybe 10 days, there were daily spontaneous demonstrations in Paris and in dozens of other cities across the country protesting against this uh, front on uh, democracy. And uh, many people were now saying, which is not just a question of defending pension rights, but we want, we want to take back everything that's been uh, taken away from us for the last 20 or 30 years. 
And so uh, instead of a dynamic of one day of action every two, three weeks, you had uh, a developing general strike with some uh, sections like the refuse collector, the, the workers, uh, sanitation workers in the big cities going on strike. Some of them have been out for four weeks. Then the oil refinery and oil depot workers also going on strike. Even workers at the, at the nuclear power stations, workers in the big museums, in the Eiffel Tower. And this, this was a, a developing general strike, which is uh, still continuing today. Uh, and tomorrow there's going to be another one of these big days of action. And I'm sure many of the big cities and most of the public services and private companies are going to be paralyzed either by the direct action of strikers in the in the workplaces or by road blockades and so on. Uh, a huge oil tanker was prevented from being unloaded at the port of uh, Dunkirk by the dockers. A uh, similar situation in other ports around the country. The air, main airports in Paris are starting to feel uh, a lack of uh, fuel for the planes. And so the whole situation has become a massive explosion of anger, to which the government has responded with more repression. These spontaneous demonstrations show police brutality, the arrest of hundreds of people for no particular reason. And then the government tried to use uh, emergency powers also to force workers back to work in a number of key refineries. But this became like a game of cat and mouse. The, the judge will order the back-to-work legislation for a number of workers in a particular refinery. Then the police will turn up at the houses and uh, take them to uh, work. Uh, they will have to cross a massive picket line, riot police involved and everything. Once, once they finally were forced back into work, they couldn't do anything because the, the gates of the, of the refinery were, were blockaded by striking workers and uh, nothing could go in or out. Also, for instance, the energy workers have been uh, start, have been using the power to cut off the electricity from uh, the headquarters of a number of uh, big companies, from the bosses, employers, organization headquarters, and so on. And what you can see really is the power of the working class. Uh, no, nothing moves in modern society without the kind permission of workers. Workers make everything run. But in most uh, times, they're not aware of their own uh, power. Now, I don't know how this movement in France is going to end. The government seems decided not to uh, retreat. They had a meeting today with the trade union leaders. They were invited to the presidential palace to talk for talks. But uh, they were told that there was no chance of changing this pensions counter-reform. So uh, at the same time, there has been uh, another interesting development, which is the Congress of the CGT, the main trade union, the, the, the General Confederation of, of Labour, where a, a strong left wing has emerged, which is uh, questioning the, the tactics of the leadership, these tactics of days of isolated days of action. And they're saying that what, what we should do is, is, a, is a general strike, an all-out general strike involving all sectors of production. We need to build for that. That's the only way, not only to force the government back on this question, but also to start reclaiming some of the rights that have been taken away from us in the last uh, period. At the end of the day, what's being posed in France today, and, and this would be this movement, is who, who rules the country. A government that is uh, extremely unpopular, 
can't even get a parliamentary majority or the the street the, the the mass demonstrations and strikes which have the support of the majority of the population what how how do you call that democracy a government that's isolated um against the ropes can't even get a parliamentary majority is 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 that that's not what people voted uh, for in fact very few people voted for this government that's that's the problem they have i feel that you make a very important point is that is that we forget how much power we as workers have you know, when we're united. When we're divided and you know competing for the lowest wage, well, we can be taken down quite easily. But when we stand together, you know, it's a different story. It, it really reminds me of so many of the struggles in Latin America, you know, and the multiple months of strikes, you know, in Colombia and Chile, you know, just in the recent years. So I, I feel that what the government says ultimately will be determined by what the people do, you know. And so if the people continue to stay united, um, I, I see some victories coming. Um, but I also want to ask you, you know, part of the problem is we have lost that ability to self-educate and remember our own histories, how this pensions, you know, the rights to pensions were won, the deep struggle that it took for that to take place. You know, it's not that benevolent government suddenly said, you know what, you work really hard, you deserve to retire. <laughs> so mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about that collective history that we must keep alive and where else, you know, we need to um, remember that this has never gone away. There are other parts in this world where people continue to struggle against great barriers and, you know, uh, repression. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned this because just, just a few days ago, we commemorated uh, the anniversary of the introduction of the eight-hour working day in Spain, which, which was in uh, 1919. But this, this took place after a huge strike in uh, Catalonia, which started as a strike of uh, a Canadian company, actually. It was called the Canadian. It was a power company that uh, generated electricity for most of Catalonia. There was a small incident with some uh, office workers who were sacked, and then the union decided to strike. And uh, the union was the CNT, which had been uh, just created at that time. It was a new type of unionism. It wasn't, it wasn't craft unionism, but industrial unionism. And this was a test of strength for this new trade union organization. The workers in the Canadian power company uh, in Barcelona, in, in Spain, were solid out on strike. But then they started to get solidarity from all the sections of the working class. And finally, the movement developed by week three developed into an all-out general strike by, by the whole of the Catalonian working class, which was very developed at that time. And uh, not only the workers beat back the, the attempt of the company to sack these workers in the offices of the, of the company, but also, uh, as a result of this, the, the fact that the strike became more general, the government was forced to concede to introduce a law uh, for the eight-hour working day. So, I mean, even that is a basic uh, demand was won by by mass struggle. Now, of course, in, in the period after the Second World War, <clears throat> capitalism's uh, experienced a, a period of maybe 25 or 30 years of upswing, and it was easier to win uh, concessions at that time. For instance, in Britain, we won the, the National Health Service, i.e. Um, health service for everyone, uh, free at the point of use, 
But now the situation is completely different for the last 30 years, and particularly since 2008, capitalism has been in a mired in a deep crisis from which it doesn't seem to be able to come out fully at any point. And uh, this drives this uh, relentless advance towards counter-reforms on the part of the capitalist class everywhere. And we have seen uh, demands that were won maybe 100 years ago, rights that were conquered 50 years ago through struggle, and now being rolled back. This uh, deregulation, outsourcing, subcontracting, young workers are never put on the same contracts as, uh, as, as workers who've been in, the, in these companies for longer, who won certain rights in the past. They have uh, contracts which are worse, which uh, have uh, worse conditions and terms and so on. And uh, this is creating a very explosive situation because it's not just uh, France that we've been talking about, about the strikes in France, but there's also been a wave of strikes in Britain. In Britain, where there hasn't been a proper wave of strikes, I don't know, since the 1980s. But now there's been hundreds of thousands of workers on strikes, including health workers, transport workers, civil servants, teachers, university lecturers, uh, ambulance workers, you name it. They've all been on strike for the, the, the main reason behind this strikes is the question of wages, because inflation is going up very fast. Wages are not keeping up. But then only last week, there was also a big strike in, uh, in Germany, big warning strike by transport uh, workers over the same issues. And I think that what's being prepared is, is, uh, is a wave of an explosion of class struggle where the workers, one country after another, are saying enough is enough. And uh, we've been uh, pushed back for decades. Now it's time to take back what, what belongs to us. And this, this can uh, create situations like you just mentioned, situation we saw in uh, Chile in 2019, in Ecuador, in Colombia, uh, mass uh, national strikes can start to develop also in advanced capitalist uh, countries where workers are starting to flex their muscles after a long period of inaction. And the fact that our wages have been stagnant since the 1970s, you know, and that the cost of living is going up. Um, it's indicative of that war against the workers. It's indicative against, you know, how, how we are constantly being uh, made even more frail and, you know, fragile <laughs> in our own ability to sustain life. Um, can we talk about the role of banks? Because there used to be a time when the, you know, the measurement was not just some elusive numbers, you know, of sustained by nothing, you know, and that's what we see today with the banking system. Um, with several banks now collapsing, um, how does this correlate and how does it affect the wealth that we are being uh, deprived of? Yes, I, I think it's quite interesting. In the last few weeks, we've seen a number of uh, banks collapse. At the beginning, at the beginning, it was. Uh, they said it's just it's just a regional bank in uh, the United States, which is not very big, the Silicon Valley Bank. Then, then it was uh, First Republic, and then a few other banks. And then finally, the crisis uh, hit uh, Credit Suisse. And Credit Suisse is not a small regional bank. It's a bank that's considered to be part of uh, a systemic for the world financial uh, system. So this is a big bank. 
Now, what's the reason why these banks are collapsing? Those people are trying to find all sorts of explanations. Well, Silicon Valley was heavily exposed to uh, tech startup companies that are now uh, in difficulties. Or Credit Suisse had a lot of problems already last year, scandals about funding, uh, holding money for arms dealers and stuff like that. And yeah, it's true. These are the accidents that provoke the collapse of these banks. But in reality, I think that what's behind this, it reveals some more uh, deep-rooted problems of the banking system, which are caused or revealed by the rise in interest rates. This is a bit complicated, but after the last big capitalist crisis in 2008, which expressed itself or started as a financial crisis, but it was really a crisis of capitalism, the, the banks were forced by the regulators. They said, we have learned the lessons. This is not going to happen again. There's not going to be another bailout and there's not going to be another banking crisis. So therefore, in order to prevent that, we're going to force the banks to keep more of their assets in safe deposits. And they, they force them to purchase government bonds. Now, if you remember, at that time, government bonds, the national debt was, was very cheap. I, you will uh, buy U.S. Treasury bonds and they will give you 0% interest rate or perhaps 1%. But it was a safe uh, place to keep your money. You knew that it was very unlikely the U.S. Uh, Treasury was going to go uh, under, was going to become bankrupt. And so after five years or two years or three years, whatever the maturity of your bond, you will get your money back and that will, that will be safe. But the problem is now that uh, interest rates are no longer 1%, but they are 5%, 5 5.5%, 6%. And so if these banks, like the Silicon Valley Bank, has a lot of money in uh, bonds that are only giving you 0%, and then all of a sudden it needs liquidity, i.e. people are asking for the money back, and the bank needs to sell these bonds, but these bonds are now worth nothing. If they paid 100 for them, they can only sell them at a heavy discount because people don't want to buy bonds. That, they, that only give you 0%, when they can buy bonds, current bonds, that give you 5 or 6%. So this is the problem. When, by, by raising in, rising interest uh, rates, create this, all, all this uh, instability in the financial system. What the, bank, what the central bankers are doing in reality is that they say, in order to control inflation, we need to provoke a recession. And it doesn't matter to them that millions of workers are going to lose their job if there's a serious recession. What they're interested in is the targets. You know, the target is to bring inflation down to 2%, regardless of the consequences. And now, now we start to see the consequences because a crisis in the banks is not just a crisis in the banks. The banks hold people's money. The banks uh, lend money to businesses. Businesses then invest. If there's no lending, there's no investment, there's no jobs and, uh, and companies in the real world, not in the banking world, going to have difficulties. People are going to be sacked from the jobs. And this is uh, really accelerating a recession that already, was already coming. Now, there is a difference between now and 2008. At that time, the, the, the government intervened and bailed out the banks. Now they're trying to pretend that they're not bailing out the banks. I mean, you saw Biden on television saying, well, if you invest your money in a company, you risk your money, and this is how capitalism works. If you lose your money, you're a shareholder in Silicon Valley, you lost your money, you lost your money. But in reality, it's not, not so, because even though there isn't a bank bailout openly, there is a behind-the-curtains bank bailout. For instance, take Credit Suisse. This is a big bank. 
It's now been uh, purchased or bought over by UBS, which is another big uh, Swiss bank. But UBS said, we're only going to take this bank, which has a lot of difficulties, if the state guarantees the deposit. So the state said, okay, we're going to guarantee liquidity for this bank to the tune of 100 billion Swiss francs, something like this. So a lot of money from the taxpayers, again, is being put uh, up in order to save the, the bankers. The bankers were quite happy, merrily investing the money here and there, risking everyone's livelihoods. When something goes wrong, then the state has to intervene. And who is the state? The state is all of us who pay our taxes, and then we're going to have to pay for this with austerity cuts. They're going to tell us, oh, there's no money for pensions, for instance. This is what Macron is saying in France. This, this pension reform is going to save the state coffers so much money because we haven't got it. And uh, why don't they have it? Uh, well, I mean, they're spending a lot of money in the war in Ukraine, for instance, or they're spending a lot of money in tax cuts for the rich, subsidies for the big companies, including, this is another scam that's going on now, including uh, the green, how you call it, the green transition uh, uh, tax subsidies. So basically, they're giving uh, money to companies. Companies have been polluting the world uh, for many years. Now they're gonna be paid to transition to the green uh, economy. At the end of the day, the companies are gonna make a lot of money from this. And companies in these sectors are gonna make a lot of money. So the ones who lose, as always, in the class struggle, in the class war, is the workers. The workers, as you say, unless we organize and, and unite, we act in unison, then uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, under attack, and we're going to have to pay for these bank bailouts. And this is just the beginning, really. These two banks, Credit Suisse, Silicon Valley Bank, and a couple of others. This is just the beginning. This is, let's say, the weakest link in the chain. But others will uh, follow sooner, sooner or later. Let's remember the the banking uh, crisis in 2008 didn't start at the core of the economy, it started by some small banks, uh, Northern Rock, and then, but then after a few months, it was Lehman Brothers, and then some bigger banks went under. I think the same thing is going to happen this time. And again, we are going to be asked to pay for this. If you, you remember, after 2008, there was a massive wave of uh, austerity cuts everywhere, and uh, cuts in social spending, cuts in pension spending, cuts in healthcare, cuts in education, uh, everything. As you said before, the, everything that the workers have won over 100 years of uh, hard uh, struggle is being taken away from, from us. I think that's the real meaning of this, of this banking crisis, the, the first tremors of, of a much bigger economic recession that's coming. I also feel that this idea of creating a mass inflation, you know, has already been discredited long ago. You know, we already... Kensington, you know, economist said that, you know, you do not raise interest rates during a recession. You know, you actually need to spend so that you can recover. And then when you're booming, then you save away, right? Then you can do those things. The, the reason why we see this kinds of violence against workers, I, I feel it, it's not because governments are stupid or they don't understand that or they don't know, but as, as capitalism is you know, literally um, demonstrating it's um, dying, right? This is a system that is 
that is dying it needs to die away and that something new needs to replace it uh, it cannot be sustained it cannot be sustained without massive loss you know of life and and that's what we see you know this constant fear that we have to sustain the system at all costs um, you know whether it be by creating wars abroad that destruct the population that the United States is in terrible debt right now and that their banks are failing that their workers are not doing well that the health of the country is not doing well so I, I feel that as workers we need to wake up the violence is coming at us from different directions and the only way we can immunize is by being together yes and this is part of the equation what, what you just said on top of this you have to add the climate crisis so, mm-hmm. so capitalism is not only making life impossible for millions of workers peasants around the world but it's also uh, it's also threatening the, the very existence of life on on earth because this is a, is a predatory system that doesn't uh, doesn't care about what they call externalities i.e. the consequences of the of their actions the only thing they care is the production for maximum maximization of profit in the short term regardless of, of the consequences even if the consequences is polluting the earth to a point where life will become uh, impossible and you can see that with, you know, their idea of, on one hand, talking about climate change, on the other hand, sending bombs with depleted uranium and, you know. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so what inspires you amidst all this? What inspires you that we, the workers, can create a different way forward and a system that invites us all in, that it, does, it doesn't just create, you know, wealth for a very few and leaves everybody else to... You know, fend for themselves. Yeah, I mean, this is the case. The the workers create all wealth, and the, and the problem here is that this this system has already outlived its uh, its usefulness from a general historical point of view. Capitalism has always been exploitative, and as Marx said, capitalism came to the wall, dripping blood and dirt from every pore. I mean, capitalism, primitive cap- accum- accumulation of capital was based on uh, slavery the slave trade, the spoliation and looting, destruction of Latin America and other continents. Uh, the capitalist system today is completely uh, rotten. It prevents the development of uh, science and technique, and it condemns the majority of the population to increasing poverty, while wealth is concentrated more and more at the top. This system is completely rotten and needs to be overthrown. And... Uh, a class exists, the working class, that can that can carry out that. I mean, some, sometimes people say, oh, oh look, there's too, too many people on earth. We can't uh, feed everyone. Uh, this is not true. I mean, the, the, the World Food Organization has calculated that with the existing agriculture, you could feed the whole of the world's population twice over. I mean, we can discuss, obviously, the, the methods of agriculture that are being used under capitalism are completely uh, uh, wrong because they, they, are, they are destroying the environment. But, but let's ignore that just for one second and say, and say the fact is that we could feed everyone. So why is people going hungry? Why are tens of thousands of children dying every year of malnutrition? It's only because of the profit uh, system. The workers are perfectly capable creating a much better world, a world which will also mean if you start by sharing out the work there is, you could reduce the working uh, week to four days, six hours a day, 
you could uh, bring down the retirement age, not uh, push it uh, back, and you will still be able to have a world of plenty for everyone, just on the basis of replacing the private profit motive and the anarchy of capitalism for a democratically planned economy based on the needs of the majority. And this is perfectly possible today. And I think that strikes like the French strike movement or the Colombian national strike that you mentioned, the huge movement of the, of the, of the Chilean workers and youth, the movement, the recent movement in, uh, in Peru, this shows that uh, ordinary working people, when they put their minds to, to it, they can, change, uh, they can change society. This is not easy. And it's a struggle. The, the, the ruling class will never give up the, the position of power and privilege without a struggle. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Take care. Thank you for listening to Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an independently produced syndicated radio program made available for free to campus and community radios and also to the world at latinwavesmedia.com.